I'm Guy Michaels, voiceover artist and director of the training platform, VoiceOver Kickstart. In this, our fifth episode, I'm talking with Sam and Henry from Speakeasy. We discuss how an actor approaches learning and maintaining an accent and how their app is making this an easier, richer, and ultimately more collaborative process in the acting community. For more golden advice and resources, head to voiceoverkickstart.com. Hi, Sam. Hi, Henry. Hello. Good. Nice to see you and nice to hear you. Okay, let's get straight into it. So, um, Henry and Sam, what is Speakeasy? Uh, Speakeasy is a global community-led accent and dialect app. At least that's what that's what's on the tin, at least. Um, but we're both actors, so um, we've always struggled to um, find a place to... Uh, get good accents from when we had you know auditions or um maybe we, we actually got the role um and sam has a a long long story of where the idea came from so i'm just gonna i'm gonna just give it to him Are we give jumping straight in? oh i think so sam okay I think fantastic so. henry uh henry is so fed up of hearing me say this now that no, no 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 not at all <laughs> crack on mate lovely okay well so yeah the, the initial idea for speakeasy came from about two years ago I was auditioning for a role that was being shot up in Scotland and it was going really well. I'd been uh, on a number of rounds of auditions in talks with the director and uh, it looked like I was going to get the part. I was really hopeful that I was going to get it and I was, uh, yeah, really, really keen for it. And out of the blue, the director gave me a call and said, look, we've decided the producers and I have decided that everyone that's in the film is going to have an Isle of Sky accent. They're going to have, you know, a proper Scottish authentic particular Isle of Sky accent and I need you to re-self-tape for it in two days time in an Isle of Sky accent uh, or we're gonna have to go with somebody else and I mean obviously that's challenging at the best of times but I'd never done a Scottish accent before ever uh, I'd never done an Isle of Sky accent and I really wanted the part so I just sort of obviously nodded and smiled and went uh, yeah that's fine I can do that two days sure why not uh, and then just got off the phone and had a little emotional breakdown. Um, but then, you know, I went about my normal sort of technique for learning accents. I tried to find some good examples, some good clips of people speaking in that accent, you know, went on the British archive to have a look if there was anything on there, had a look on idea. And I was really coming up with nothing. Um, there were no good quality sound clips. Um, I think I did find one eventually after some really deep digging of a gentleman that was in his like 70s that had been recorded in the 1950s and it was terrible quality and really short. But I was just really struggling to find anything. And so I started to panic a little bit and uh, I went all through YouTube and yeah, couldn't find much. So I, I uh, managed to approximate something that was probably somewhere between Edinburgh and Inverness, which is really a large space. Uh, and I re-self-taped for it and sent it over to the director. And luckily the director wasn't Scottish and I managed to sort of fool him enough uh, into giving me the part which was great. And I thought, okay, fantastic. I've got three weeks now till we film and I can really get into it. So I started doing some more deep diving into research and still came up with nothing. And so it got to the point where I was sat uh, in Scotland, in the Isle of Skye, uh, just like trying to talk to people in petrol stations and stuff to just get glimpses of their accent. And I was there sat on my bed each night after recording, just listening to anything I could. And 
I think eventually it kind of came out all right. Um, you know, people were quite complimentary, but I know in my own heart that it wasn't specific to Isle of Sky, and um, I just had this brainwave or this idea stood on top of a mountain dressed as a Viking that there must be a better way. And that's how we came up with Speakeasy. It was the idea that in order to have access to this whole database of accents and dialects and lots of voice clips, you have to uh, add your own voice on there. Um, and that's where the sort of community angle of it all came from. So I came home and pitched it to Henry and thankfully he didn't laugh in my face. No, no it was, yeah, good idea. But I, I, I was very interested in the community aspect of it. Like for me, um, that's a really interesting concepts that actually the more people that come on board and want to use it, the more people have to put their voice on there. And that just builds a massive, massive database. Obviously that means that there were things along the way that we had to navigate in terms of we didn't just want performers on there. Um, so we've also got, we, we started calling them John and Jane Doe's, um, which are just people um, that we would just record or get to donate their accent, you know, like the guy in the chippy in Scunthorpe or, you know, your parents or your aunties or uncles. Um, but then also John, Jane, Joe sounded a bit squishy and dead. So we have to <laughs> name them Andy Anonymous. Anonymous and A.Anonymous. Um, so there's stuff along the way that we've sort of navigated from that initial idea. But what's really nice about it is actually it hasn't changed that much, really, Sammy. Since yeah. conception, we've kind of got what we imagined. And there's been loads of hiccups along the way, of course. But like we've managed to navigate them in, in some way, shape or form. Yeah. When you, because you both went to Mount View. That's right. That's correct. Yep. So you both trained at drama school in London. So you'd hope, wouldn't you, that uh, a drama school training would prepare you for that challenge in some way. Did it? I think it has to prepare you on, it's kind of like going into medicine and becoming a GP. I think going to drama school, you have to know a little about everything. And you can only really, you can only really get your teeth into it when you're doing it on set, in the booth, um, in the theatre. Um, as much as it's, it was good, you know, going to standing on the Olivier stage for a voice class. I probably, you know, ten years after training, if I stood on the Olivier, I'll probably forget all that training. You know, you, you still need to, <laughs> you still need to make sure you're, you're, you're training yourself, and that's really important. So. The answer, the easy answer to that is kind of no, because you you have a few you have a few classes, but um, you have to keep you have to keep training after your training. Of course you do. I think for me as well, I I felt like I, I had a really good training and I got to grips with you know how to learn an accent and mm -hmm. um, how to get under the skin of it. But what I also took for granted was that we had our head of voice who was an incredible accent and dialect tutor. And we had him at our fingertips all the time. And so whenever we were learning um, an accent for a show, we could go and talk to him and pick his brains and spend, you know, uh, sessions with him perfecting it. In reality, since I've come out of drama school, I've never been to a, an accent and dialect coach, primarily for the fact that I couldn't afford it or the fact that it wasn't provided to me on a show or the fact that, you know, uh, it was very low paid work and that wasn't how I wanted to <laughs> spend my money because I needed to pay my rent or, you know, buy some food. Um, and so I think that was definitely something I took for granted at drama school because it was just there. 
And there's amazing accent and dialect coaches out there. But I also know that I felt when I've been in positions before I've needed to learn an accent that I felt a little bit intimidated to go and reach out to somebody who I didn't know to then ask them for help on accents and dialects. And I think that's something that we're hoping to address a little bit with Speakeasy as well. We're we're putting in a platform where you can um, sort of read a little bit about accent and dialect coaches and then reach out to them through that. And we're also starting some initiatives with some of the accent dialect coaches where instead of having to pay for a full hour, two hour, three hour session, which is maybe the norm with some voice coaches, that they'll be splitting up those sessions into sort of 15 minute or half an hour sessions. So you don't have to whack out a huge amount of money on, you know, booking out a a big chunk of their time. You can go in there and ask specific questions and do that. I was going to say, because you've got to remember that they are part of the community as well. And uh, a lot of, when we first started, I think a lot of the voice coaches said, are you kind of taking our job away? You know, kind of like tongue in cheek. And we were like, absolutely not. We're just getting people to a point, a better point before they come to you. Because a lot of them, and what we found is, and when you do use an accent coach, it's two days before your audition. I've got a Brooklyn accent to do. Um, I know General American. I'm pretty good. I think not at all. You're approximating that. And it's like, they have to work so hard and they might not get the audition. Oh, they might not get the job, sorry. But actually what we're trying to do is get them to, you know, 70, 80% there. So all they have to do is have that one, two session sessions with the accent coach that makes them yeah, get the job. And um, that's, that's what's so exciting about it. And also be able, in the audition situation, be able to deal with when the nerves kick in yeah, to feel more confident because you know you've done ongoing preparation. Uh, 100%. I mean, a massive believer, always have been in... Yeah, ongoing professional development for actors for voice for voiceovers worldwide, and I've always I've always thought that uh, the Americans have got it right. Uh, every American actor I've ever worked with has always been in development. Yeah, uh, they've always, they're, they're always very learning, good at going always to learning new skills. Yeah, exactly. They're always in classes. Uh, unfortunately, I thought no, this is this is changing with with things like you know establishments like the Actors Guild and Actors Centre, etc. It is changing, uh, but we do still have the the legacy of I went to drama school in whenever in the in the seventies in the eighties or something, and, and and not engaging with the need for development. So I think that's sounds you know to me fantastic that your platform is going to going to do that. But before we get onto the details of your platform and how it works, what did actors do before your platform? I also went to Mount View as well, as you know, because we talked about this, and um, mm. but I went. Uh, a lot longer ago than you. I remember the, the approach to accents then was, you know, we had phonetics classes. Yeah. And um, for me, that was, it might as well have been Arabic. I didn't know what was going on. Uh, I didn't have the headspace for it, I think, as well. And um, in terms of learning an accent, for me, we were doing a, a, a Clifford Odette's in the in our second year and uh had to learn a kind of very sort of specific new york accent and um the approach that was suggested and actually you know it worked for me at the time don't ask me to do it now was <laughs> to go to the library and um get tapes yes i think they actually were tapes uh, or may have been cds and it was of a jackie mason the comedian Mm-hmm. Uh, of his performances 
And I listened, I just remember listening to that on repeat and I listened to it on repeat and I, and I copied it and it, you know, it was listen, copy, listen, copy, and then a try and then try and apply that to the script. And that was it, you know, that's a way of doing it. Did I nail it? Um, yeah, I think I pretty much got it uh, for that week's worth of performances that we did. In fact, actually, if it was in the second year, in my view, we probably did all that effort for just one, one, one performance. performance. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and that and that was it. But, you know, six months later, would I have been able to do that again? No, because I didn't understand the structure of it. Yeah. I didn't I didn't no. know what made up that accent. I just had copied it. So what do actors already do currently other than that? So I think uh, you've touched on something there. I think it everybody's process seems to be a little bit different. And that's definitely something we've had to think about when building the app because... Um, yeah, like you say, listening to comedians is definitely one way that I've learned. And I think we should also preface all of this by saying that Henry and I aren't, aren't very good at accents. That's the whole reason we wanted to build this app is that we really struggled. We weren't one of those people in our year who naturally could just listen to an accent once and just do it fluently. We had to really work. But can I just say that Sam, by the end of this podcast, will do his Alice Guy accent? It's Definitely very impressive. not. Looking forward to it. That is not <laughs> happening. <laughs> I've not even seen the film yet, so I don't know if it's any good in the film, let alone now, like two <laughs> years on. Um, but yeah, so I think one way, like you say, was listening to comedians. We always, we always found that um, was really useful because it's about getting someone speaking passionately for a decent amount of time. So you can really, you know, hear the ups and downs, all the ins and outs of their accent. We also listen to sports commentators if we could find them because they talk so fast. They're so, uh, you know, energetic in their speak that there's no sort of preface to it. Um, and I think that, you know, Henry mentioned about us having people who, on there who aren't actors as well, because there is that sort of level of performance and training that comes with having actors on there. So having real people speaking in a real way is really important as well. And we'll come back to that a little bit later, but you can filter out performers if you want on Speakeasy so you get those authentic um, voices. Um, for me, I always, I always just, yeah, I have to listen and listen and listen and listen on repeat. But I know there are other people out there that are really into phonetics. You know, there are people out there that absolutely can't stand them. And that is, you know, not a way to do it at all. But we have some people who out there who, without knowing phonetics as well, literally listen to things and then write down how they think it sounds without using the phonetics. So you would actually spell it out and then sort of read it that way. I mean, everybody is is completely different, I think. And you mentioned tapes. We've, we've spoken to some um, voice coaches who said that they used to carry around a suitcase full of cassette tapes of all the like students they've recorded over the years. And they used to use those to help their students. I think there's so many different ways. I um, think also um, a big one for us, and we always talk about this, is voice noting as well on WhatsApp. Literally yeah. voice noting your mate and just being like, uh, Bucken, I, I need a Glaswegian accent, or Lois can have a Glaswegian accent. Um, uh, can you just literally just read this back? I'll send it in a photo and just read it back to me. Um, I've done that so many times. And it's, one, it's great, but if you don't have those mates for that specific accent, then, yeah. then you're a bit stuffed. I was going to say, since we started talking to people about uh, creating this app, we'd, I'd get... Um, screenshots that mates would send me where they'd had one of their friends text them being like I know you're not Irish but you can do an Irish accent right can you can you record me those lines and that's when it gets really dangerous because you're getting someone who's approximating an Irish accent to then 
be your model of your accent when you're learning it so it's an approximation of an approximation and it's <laughs> just such a dangerous game i just found it hilarious that yeah you you have to sort of message a mate who might be able to get somewhere close to that accent yeah i mean it's and it's all about developing your ear isn't it because even though i'm not an expert on accents at all i can certainly tell a dodgy one uh you know, <laughs> we we don't seem to be able to watch anything on netflix or amazon these days without me saying 10 minutes into it She's English on an American yeah. program or whatever. Uh, what do you mean? Well, let's just wait. And we get to the end. We look up, look her up on IMDb. Lo and behold, she's a British actor in the States. And somehow, and I don't know how, quite often I'm able to work that out. There's something gone wrong there. I, you know, in a totally kind of uneducated way, I is usually the overdone R or or, or something. Um, or an emotional scene in which their South London vowel sounds come out. Yeah, it's or, or angry. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, angry yeah. As well. But yeah, I mean, exactly. uh, I think we've t- we've touched on this before as well. That the media will tell you very quickly as well. The, before you've even seen the trailer, the media will say the accents in this aren't aren't right. Um, they've employed this many actors from this place, and or look at this person's accent. This isn't good. But then you know. Then you hear Ray Fiennes in the dig, and you hear that his accent's amazing before you even I've even seen the trailer. Um, and then I then I hear you know I see the trailer and I go, oh, his accent is good, but I haven't made that. That's not my opinion. That's just that's just been fed <laughs> into me. And we have that. We're living in that world now, so um, it's very hard to yeah approximate accents now. You have to hit the nail on the head. Okay, okay. But, but Henry, how do you know? I mean, I haven't seen it, but how do you know his accent's amazing? Are you from wherever the, the accent is? Exactly my point. Exactly my point. I've just been fed it. So I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah that, that's a really good accent. It doesn't sound like him at all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It could be from anywhere. I think, yeah, I think just because really... it doesn't sound like him. He's yeah. made it sound different. Yeah, yeah. I think there's a really good example of that recently. There was the film, The uh, Wild Mountain Time, that came out. That was yes. um, set in Ireland. And like the, the press just ripped it to shreds. Um, before, yeah, it was just the launch of the trailer. And I remember seeing so many articles just saying how dodgy everyone's accents were. And, you know, I think once somebody picks up on that, it does snowball a bit. But I, I definitely think there's something in your what you're saying as well. I think for me, part of it is the fact that no matter um, if you think you've got that accent sort of nailed down, if it's really not living in your body, people are going to be able to tell because I think... When I watch um, people doing an accent and I can pick it up, I think it's because there's that sort of level of putting it on top of the character. It's not living and breathing as part of that character. It is, you know, someone doing an accent. Whereas when it's really in your mouth, when it's really in the back of your head, you can forget about the lines. You don't have to worry about, you know, how you pronounce that word, how you pronounce that line. And you can just live and breathing that character. And the only way to do that is to really, really get under the skin of that accent. Because otherwise... It's an an over-awareness, isn't it? Yeah. And, uh, you know, for me, when I'm watching certain actors, I'm biased against certain actors now, certain American actors, certain British actors... Because I've had the experience of watching them in something and thought, "What are you doing? <laughs> Choose a continent." <laughs> you know, I mean, but stay. You know, where's the consistency? And I'm always very surprised at these sort of high budget, you know, millions of dollars thrown at a film, and an actor is South African for one moment, and then he's Australian, and then he's American. Oh, he's back to South African again. Why is there no one on set going, uh, "Hey, uh, excuse me"? I mean, maybe, maybe it's time. Maybe they just so, don't have the time to be doing that. Well, we so this goes back to the person that 
um, who was our head of voice is Rick Lipton. He's the chairman of our board. And he was the guy that we could go to, what Sam was referencing before. And he used to sit there. It was on a Tuesday or Thursday from five till nine. And he used to sit in a room and anyone can go to him for any kind of voice or usually accent work. And he was absolutely amazing. He left when we left and he went straight into Hollywood. He's now on his 11th film with Tom Holland, Spider-Man. And he's just done Uncharted with him. And now he's on Spider-Man 3. Um, and that's a really good example of, yeah, he's a fantastic English actor, um, not resting on his laurels. Rick goes with him on every film set. He gets employed for every film he does because they are big, big budget. Oh, they're Marvel, right? They're big budget films. And they want that accent on point. Um, and that's what he does. And he's amazing at, at what he does. Um, I think also that- there's there's definitely a level of, um, you know, being really conscious about it. I watched an interview with Tom Holland the other day where he was watching back clips from Cherry, the new movie that he's in, and talking about them. I think it was maybe Variety or something like that. And there was a moment that he um, was watching back a clip and he was like, oh my God, my accent then, I sounded so British. I need to give them, I'm going to make a note now and I'm going to call them and say we need to ADR that because it sounded too British. And just that level of always self-improving, like he was all, he was being so self critical about it and i think you need that level you know you can go too far but it's about like henry said not resting on your laurels always improving always being um aware i think that's a massive part of it i think some you know it's a massive generalization but sometimes i think those ones you're referring to probably did have an accent and dialect coach on those films still probably going can we redo that and either the director's going no we've got it move on or you know the, the actor isn't sort of pushing for that level of authenticity. I don't know. Yeah, well, in my opinion, Rick Lipton should uh, contact Sam Worthington and ask him <laughs> if, he, if, he, if he needs a hand. <laughs> okay, let's um, let's talk about the platform. So speakeasy now, you're in your early stages, but what is it now? It's What's really nice about it is it's what we thought it was going to be. And that's honest truth. Um, we're getting people coming to us, accent coaches as well saying, I used it on a client, we just needed a specific accent and we found it actually. And um, they put the job. Now to us, we nearly cried. That was That is like the pinnacle of what we wanted to achieve. Now we want to duplicate that thousands of times. You know, we want people to go, you know, Speakeasy directly helped me get that job. And that's something that people forget that, you know, your accent when you're acting, if it isn't there, it's the first thing that distracts you. If somebody opens their mouth and their accent isn't good, it doesn't matter how good their acting is. You know, as Sam said with that film, um, it wasn't that they picked apart the film, they picked apart the accents and therefore that affected the film. Um, so it's living and breathing, which is really crazy to us, um, but also really exciting at the same time. Yeah, let me. I'll, I'll break down a little bit in terms of what the actual platform does and what it is. So um, when you um, do your um, sign-up process, um, you enter in uh, a number of uh, answers to questions that are about you and about how you sound. So it's about where your native accent is from, um, but also, you know, all the places that you've lived over your lifetime for more than three years at a time, because all of that information feeds into how you sound. Um, it's also about, you know, your um, uh, religion, ethnicity, background, schooling, all of those kinds of things that affect how you speak. 
And then once you've completed that, you go through the process of entering your recording. So we get people to uh, record a series of words and then a text that we've had specifically written for us by Rick Lipton, which is a phonetic pangram, um, which basically just means it encompasses all of the different sounds in the English language in one sort of chunky paragraph for you to read and then after that we ask a passionate question we call them our passions to get people really sort of speaking rather than just reading or performing it's about asking them a question about something they're passionate about the first one on ours is you know what foods do you dislike the most because we're both very passionate about food i know so many people that are passionate about food especially food that they hate so it's just about getting people talking and that you have to speak for at least a minute there's a timer on and you can't save it until you've spoken for a minute so after about 45 seconds of you moaning about food it gets a little bit awkward so you start umming and ahhing a bit more and you start you know getting a bit frustrated or a bit angry and all of those things come out in your voice and it's fantastic so once you've done that that makes up the sort of base um platform on uh, your profile which is your voice recordings and that just means now that that's on there everybody who has access to the app can search for that and use your voice to learn your accent and it, it with all of those questions you've answered it means that they can be as specific as they like so you can then go on and search for an accent and you can use those filters to find people so you might want somebody from the isle of sky who went to um a state school but left uh, after gcse level they didn't get a degree you know you might want someone who is specifically christian or muslim you might want somebody who's from a specific um ethnic background so that it matches your own um and from there you can listen to all of their clips um you can also then obviously record more we're, we're continuously putting on more passions more text more things for you to record i think it's also worth pointing out there the diversity aspect um because we're both white and um as much as you had uh, the problem with the isle of sky imagine if you've been a black actor in the same position. And that's something that we came across with Stephen Art said, um, who's the head of the foundation course there. He said, as a black actor, I was doing a play, or I think he was looking at a play in, in Ireland, in Dublin. And he said, there's just no resource for me to sa- What does it sound like as a black man in Dublin? Like, I, I mean, trying to find that is, is near to impossible at the moment. And that's something that we really wanted to focus down on. Um, not only that, but also gender as well. You can remember that if you're looking for a trans person in 1950s from, I don't know, Liverpool, you're not going to find that in an archive. Um, but hopefully we can start building up a database of people who identify as something different to what just the makers are. And so what we did was, especially for the ethnicities, we struggled so much to try and find just a, a list of ethnicities. As simple as that. We went on so many government websites, government forms, um, and, you know, being Hispanic isn't your ethnicity that's huge that's like that's that's crazy or latino that's 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 just yeah unquantifiable so we basically found a cia database and it was um a census of all the ethnicities within each country over the world and we took all of that and we put it into a massive spreadsheet it's about eight over 850 long i can say we added a load more as well yeah and we've also added I'd prefer not to say, obviously, for GDPR compliance, but uh, also other. Because if I say that maybe I want to be just Jedi (laughs) and I I identify as Jedi, that will come across in my accent if I identify as something else. And that's specifically um, important with gender as well. We have as many as we we can find and we we know, um, and that's probably about 30 or so. But 
you know, other people identify as different things and whatever you want to identify yourself as is right and correct for you. And that's what's important. If I'm going on someone's profile, it's what they want to be self-represented as. Um, and that's what's important about what comes out in their voice. Um, and to us, that was just such an important thing. If we're going to be, there's a few things about community-led, but that's the one big thing is how can you be part of a community if they don't accept you as you? And that's really, really important. Yeah. On my platform, one of my platforms, VoiceOver Profiles, which is a you know, directory site for voice actors, we decided very early on to have no gender filter for the person, the client, the person searching for the voice for a number of reasons, really. Um, you know, for people who, who who say they find it difficult when they search these things because they don't identify as male or female, but also uh, for the clients who maybe they don't know that they want a male voice, really. It could have been that traditionally male voices were associated with automotive industry and now, luckily, you know, no, it's not. Things have moved on. So we've taken that away. Now, I know firsthand you know, these platforms cost a lot of money yeah. to get going. And they, it's not just money. It's, it's a huge amount of time and effort and sweat to get going. So how have you done that? How have you <laughs> you, you had this idea? So Sam's got his story, chats to Henry about it and says, right, let's do this thing. How have you done that? How have you created this platform? With so, a lot of blood, sweat, and tears. <laughs> yeah. So we, so Sam and I, when we came out of drama school, we'd been in the industry for a few years, um, needed to have a second job like every other actor. And we fell into something called business development. Um, and it's basically working with marketing agencies, connecting them to brands. And then so we set up an agency in 2017, and, and that's what we do as our, as our day job. Um, what that means is that we get exposed to hundreds of brands every month, like all the time. And that is part of our world almost. Um, and then when we came to this stage, we came to, you know, when, when COVID hit, we thought, how can we still work with these agencies and brands? We, we decided to do a few service swaps. And one of them came with our sort of Appetite Creative, who are the people who are developing our app. And we said, well, why don't we have an idea? Why don't we do a service swap? We'll, do, we'll give our services for your services. And it wasn't as easy as that. We've had to put a lot of our money into it as well. You know, they only did 50%. Um, but it managed to save a huge amount of money um, for us to go, okay, we can really do this now. Like, it's not just our life savings. It's also life savings times two. And it's like, we can get real design. So it was Seesaw over in Belgium to design the whole app with us and sit down with us. And we have literally built this whole thing. And we made exactly what we wanted to make. And that was what was so exciting for us. But that's how it's come apart. I mean, Sam and I haven't paid ourselves that much <laughs> because we've, we've, we've been putting it into this. But hopefully, yeah, hopefully we come to a place where we... Yeah, we'll see some some money. Well, I was going to say, yeah. <laughs> Hopefully, the dream is now that it becomes at least self sufficient. Because I mean, yeah, as you exactly. know as well, just holding the amount of people's data, you know, holding all of those voice recordings, storing them online. Something we found out only a few weeks ago is that every time someone you know does a search on here, they search for UK or. Um, USA, it costs us a certain amount of money because Google has to go and ping all of their information around. And so, you know, at the moment, we're making a huge loss. But hopefully, we'll get to the point where, you know, it's self-sufficient. And then we can start uh, looking at adding on extra features, extra things that would be even better for people and to help their learning. Um, 
it's been an entire year of working pretty much 24 seven on our, you know, our side jobs so that we can actually pay the bills, but then also doing this every other waking hour. And now obviously now it's launched as well, you know, being in contact with the people using it, answering questions, uh, anytime there's any, um, you know, tech problems, sorting all of those things out. But yeah, like Henry says, it's really nice actually interacting with people who are are using it now and uh, coming back with really nice feedback and saying, oh, you know, it's really working for me. You've mentioned it being community led, but what does that what does that mean? And also, you, you the, I know that you've got a feature which is you know, Karma on there. So how, how does that work? So uh, one of the biggest differentiators of what we have is the fact that you can shout out to people. Now, what that means is we always use the example of um, if you're doing it as a dagger from a Beth, for instance, and you, you, you know, you have an accent like mine, but you have to have a Glaswegian accent, you can shout out to the whole of Glasgow and you can put is as a dagger on there. We basically made it so you can put every Shakespeare monologue except for there's one really long one on there. But you can basically, it means that you can speak for about, it's I think 500 words, Sam, I think that's about yeah, 500 right. words. Yep. Um, so it means it's about three minutes-ish of speaking, which is the longest you can do. And you can send that to the whole of Glasgow. And that means that all those profiles, all those users can send that back to you. The way that you can send it is by what we call sort of in, in-app karma. So what that means is for everything that you do, for as much as you put into the app, you receive karma. And you can use that karma to do more shout outs. So if you have an audition coming up, you can shout out to the whole of Glasgow. Maybe you shout out to 200 people. What I tend to do uh, quite a lot is shout out to the whole of the UK. Um, and that's hundreds of people. So I shout out to them, but it still costs me 100 karma. And I may get, you know, hundreds of replies back and maybe only a couple of goods, but then you can put them into playlists. But karma is just a way that people can put back into the app. And, you know, roughly when you, when you, you do something for somebody else, you do a shout out to somebody else, you'll get about 20 to 30 karma. So you're roughly putting in four or five times the amount than you're um, taking out of the app, which means the app grows. And it's that community-led aspect. Obviously, we take a lot of um, direction, navigation from the community. Um, I mean, literally getting Instagram DMs from people saying, have you thought about this? Have you thought about this? Send that to the development team, see if it's possible, see how hard it is. Because again, as much as we're not good at accents, we're also not good at making apps. We don't know if it's an easy <laughs> an easy build or like, no, we have to rewrite the whole thing. Like for us, that's that's really really tough so we we kind of feel like these middlemen like these project managers in some way um which means that the community sort of leads us as well but it's probably good to touch upon the fact that we also needed to make it you know a a price point where it wasn't breaking people's banks because actors just don't have the money at the moment um and they never they never do really only sort of like six percent of us are like employed at any given time or something so it's really important to us that you know everything is community led and it's not just two guys who think they know everything it's about building an advisory board of all those people so we've got 11 people on an advisory board and all the ambassadors to go where should we go next and then also including all the accent coaches that aren't ambassadors or advisory boards but also all the users that are on there to go what should we do? What do you need? What, what, what's missing right now? Oh, I need to know how the mouth moves. That's fine. You know, you can find a link in, in somebody's playlist in a, in a accent coach's playlist, and you can just go directly to their website because yeah, we're not being petty about the fact that we want everyone to stay on speakeasy. It's about yeah. making sure they're, yeah. That's great. It's actually, actually what I was going to ask you was, you know, it's, it's an, it's a very powerful audio driven tool. Mm. Uh, which is extremely useful, but you just touched on it there, which is 
what else is there in terms of supporting the actor to develop their ear and develop their ability to actually nail the accent that they've heard on there. Yeah, so we're, we're starting to work with uh, our advisory board and our brand ambassadors to create these playlists where, um, just to go into a little bit more detail on playlist, it means that you can uh, create your own sort of almost like a Spotify playlist. You put sound yeah. clips or particular artists, you know, people into these playlists so you have them stored in one place, but you can also write notes. So we're starting to collaborate um, on playlist by these accent coaches that will be on certain accents that will take you through in the notes section you know be careful of the rolled r in glaswegian you know listen to this voice clip here sometimes they do it sometimes they don't it often comes out when they're more passionate so think about that or it might be that you know look at uh, how your tongue moves during this word compared to how it sounds like it uh, is done by this native speaker it's about putting all of those tips and processes into these playlists to help people you know before they even get to the point where they want to formally have a face-to-face with an accent and dialect coach we're also starting to collaborate with them very shortly on a series of videos that will be hosted on youtube um that will be giving tips and tricks and potentially even you know starting you on your journey to really nail those accents um Again, like we say, this is this is a platform for getting you as far as you can with self-learning. And then if you feel you want to connect yourself to an accent and dialect coach, then great. You're going in so well armed. Um, but the amount of times, you know, people are going to have the money or the, the will to do that when you're at an audition level, you know, is a lot less than once you've got the job. So you need to get people to that point so they can win the job and then progress from there. Um, I think it's important to have all of those different um, ways of learning. And one thing that the videos are going to help with as well is that you can link those in the playlist because there are some people that are very visual learners when it comes to accents and dialects as well. You know, being able to see the mouth shape, being able to see the tongue placement. And there's some amazing people out there working on sort of animations that show you exactly where the tongue needs to be and things like that. All of that can be linked into playlists and utilized by our users. And also... And I've got nothing to do with speakeasy as well. That's really important that this is, again, speaking on that point about community, it's, you know, we want to help the wider community. We, this is not a one-stop shop. We're, we're not trying to be that. We're trying to help a stopgap that we we had a problem with and we, we couldn't find the resources for. But we want people to put links into their playlists of their, you know, almost self-advertising, saying, well, if you want tone placement, actually, I, I do this. So have a look on my site as well. And helping all these voice coaches to get work as well at the moment it's just english language english english language based <laughs> i need some help um do you have plans to 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 kind of go worldwide with it with other languages? so we've we've had a fair amount of requests already for it and it is something that we would love to do um obviously at the moment our expertise being english speakers is in that and that's how we were taught but obviously there's a whole you know, an entire world out there that aren't just English speakers. The thing for us at the moment is it's taking such a huge amount of investment and time is that we need to make this successful as a platform as it is now. And then we can diversify um, because even adding it all, we'd have to rewrite all of the onboarding process, all of that kind of thing for each extra language. And that is just going to cost a lot of money. So once, you know, once we're up and running, hopefully once it's self-sufficient, if it starts to make a little bit more money than just running itself, then that's, I think, hopefully where we'd like to go because there are so yeah. many thriving industries, film, theatre, 
uh, voiceovers in every country that there is definitely a need. Yeah, we, we, we've we got to think about it, haven't we? Because I had someone the other day sign up for register for something uh, in Dutch. And yeah. uh, at no point did I ever mention that that, <laughs> that it would be catering for Dutch speakers. And I had to stick it into Google Translate and they're very interested Okay, well, maybe at some point we'll be catering for that, but we've got to think about it, haven't we? Um, what does the future of the industry look like in terms of accents, in terms of learning accents, in terms of the demand or the need for accents uh, for actors? Because I know we've talked about this previously before we recorded this today, about the, the and we've touched on it today, the approximation the actors, oh, you've learned a general American, whatever that means, a general Northern, whatever that means. Is that changing? Is it, it, it certainly is in the voiceover industry in terms of, you know, you are generally booked for you and gentle variations of you. And if you can do accents really well, great. Uh, if you can't, then of course your tool is going to be extremely useful for that. But have you, have you any predictions? Yeah, well, I think the one thing that we're we're sort of spearheading is is kind of a lobbying movement towards casting directors to go, you know, if this does work and it is working and it works in the long term, then you can be specific about what accents you want. You can listen to people. The cast directors can go on there, and we we want to advocate cast directors to go on and go listen to this person in the same way that when you have an advert breakdown and you get like you know a jpeg of someone a few celebrities they want they're trying to approximately look like we kind of want that with voice because general northern general american are very 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 tough to replicate and that's something that we're going to work with um Elspeth morrison on and maybe samara bay and and rick in terms of helping people for that stop gap for now um about what do they mean but actually when you say general northern what do you mean let's let's dig into that and actually you mean Salford what kind of Salford do you mean do you mean posh like you know mm. you can start to be specific now um and I think that's that's really exciting and obviously you know everyone's subscription for Netflix has gone up which means they're producing more that means more more works coming out um more actors are being used from around the world and that's great um I think when people say that you know you're you're only cast for your own accent I have to say that 80% of the jobs that I've been at in the last 10 years have been in a different accent. Um, I do a lot of theatre, sure, but, you know, it's still out there and it's still right. And you're right. If you can move away from approximating accents and you can do an accent, um, then I'm sure you're going to be cast in that. Um, As we said before, it's about living it. And it's about being able to go to class and, and do improvisations in that and going to, yeah, okay, petrol stations and talking to people in that accent. Um, yeah, yeah. And, and in and in voiceover, being able to do a live session and being able to maintain it and and just yeah. to stop your nerves kicking in that just means that you revert back to what you sound like normally. I did have one other question for you about the platform. Um, if it's primarily actors signing up for it, we know that if an actor is originally from Salford or wherever, but they have uh, been living in London for the last ten or fifteen years. <laughs> their accent has definitely changed. So is the platform at the moment mainly actors trying to kind of get back in touch with their home accent? Or do you have and do you have plans to get, I'm going to say real people, <laughs> I'm saying actors are real people, but everyone else, general public as well. Yeah, definitely. So, um, I mean, we're we're quite early on in this in this process. You know, we've we've just sort of 
come out of all of the testing stages and primarily as it's uh you know aimed at performers a lot of the voices on there currently are performers i would say um as part of your onboarding process there are a number of sliders that you can uh, adapt to give people who are listening to you an indication of you know how strong your accent is in terms of where you're from so if i was from salford but i've lived in london for 20 years and i've gone through drama school training i may be a one or a two rather than a five which is a really strong thick salford accent so there's some things in there to give you indications um but we are very much um, planning on expanding out into many more real people as well. <laughs> um, because, you know, I know for sure uh, that, I mean, m- my voice is a li- little bit of a weird one. So I'm from Western Supermare. My parents sound like proper farmers. They've got proper thick West Country accents. And so my sister is... Um, sort of in between me and my parents but you know I came to drama school I went to London and I think I always had that sort of um escape planned in my head so my accent sort of followed suit a little bit so I don't sound necessarily like the typical person from Western Supermare yet uh yeah my sister probably does my parents really do they've been you know they've lived in Western Supermare for 70 years they've never left and so we're going to really start to encourage one people who are using it actors performers to add their friends, their families, um, you know, their relatives of any kind, because those authentic accents are just going to be massively useful for everybody. But on top of that, we're also going to um, begin going on roadshows, is what we're calling them, where we're going to be traveling around the country eventually, hopefully, if it all goes well, around the world, and going to the areas where we need more accents, where we need more authentic accents, and going, like Henry said, to the chip shop in Salford, going to the council estate in Bradford, going to, you know, the old people's homes and the care homes uh, around the country so that we get those time capsule accents really locked in um, because you know the older generation you know they're not going to be here forever and something that we have as a generation all of us is that we're so much more well-traveled than ever before and we have you know so many more influences from around the world through the internet whereas those time capsule actions of all those people that grew up somewhere and lived there lived their whole lives there they are going to slowly sort of die out so we're, we're really keen to sort of yeah really uh, capture those so that we have those on archive for the next hundred years we talked a little bit about that with bbc radio guernsey as well um they're having a, a, a massive cultural shift um and they really do want to keep their not in their language, um, but also their accent as well. They're, they're worried that that's going to shift. And yeah, as Sam said, we're all a bunch of hybrids now. Um, we, we don't have uh, a set accent. And I think it's funny the amount of times when people come and say, I, I don't have an accent, so I'm not sure if I'm going to be useful to you. <laughs> and we have to respond, like, sort of, yeah, again, telling in cheek a little bit by saying, it's sort of about 7 billion accents. No, no one's got the same accent, not at all, mm-hmm. um, not anymore. Um, but as Sam said, you know, you do get these time capsule accents. Bernie Sanders, great, great example of like an old Vermont accent. Um, I was trying to, I had an audition to have a Brooklyn accent and I couldn't use Bernie because Bernie has a slightly different, yeah, time capsule accent, which is really, really cool. Uh, maybe he'll want to go on the app at some point. <laughs> but yeah, it's really important that we get real uh, real people. And that we're going to call them uh, Andy Anonymous uh, uh, anonymous and a dot anonymous. Um, so they're not users you can shout out to, but they're there as for archival purposes, especially for the linguistics. Um, Dr. Hannah Leach is on our board um, from the University of Newcastle, um, and the linguistics students are really going to use 
sort of those accents as well. Thanks so much, Sam. Thank you so much, Henry. Thank you. What can listeners do right now? Just go simply uh, and follow us uh, at Speakeasy app on any of our social medias, Twitter, uh, Facebook, or um, Instagram. And our website is simple. It's speakeasy.co. That's what you have to write. Um, Speakeasy is S-P-I-K-I-Z-I. So it's kind of phonetic. Um, But I'm sure that will be... Uh, underneath this podcast anyway um, but that's exactly what we'd love you to do go on there add your accent tell your friends the more the merrier that's what I have to say absolutely and join the community um, uh, find your voice the accent and dialect community is our uh, Facebook group I always get it wrong um, but that's also where people are chatting and it's really nice to be part of a part of something part of a movement um, and hopefully it's moving for good as well In episode six, we take a look at the technical challenges that VOs face on a daily basis as I chat with studio tech, George Whittam. I'm Guy Michaels. Thanks for listening.